I, uh, I, I do feel like that God uh, wants us to go somewhere tonight in the spirit. <clears throat> but uh, we're going to be doing some special uh, fasting and prayer this month of January, a time of special dedication and consecration. And uh, we're going to do some fasting and prayer. And uh, then we're going to be doing uh, communion here at the church. And uh, communion is very biblical. It's very biblical that we do communion. If you don't do communion according to the word of God, you will have no part of his kingdom. And so that's how important communion is to your salvation. And so that, uh, that's very biblical. It's a very biblical thing uh, to take communion. And you don't want to take communion unworthy. You want, to be, you want your life to be clean. You want your life to be pure and to be prepared for communion. And so anyway, I'll be talking more about that. We're not going to do that this week. Uh, we're just kind of playing it by ear, see what all of this sickness does. I believe the sickness is going to probably leave us, hopefully just as quick as it found us. And uh, uh, it's just a lot of sickness going on. I, I will tell you this, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing uh, of anybody that it's been uh, sickness unto death. I'm not saying that it hasn't been, but uh, I'm not hearing that. And uh, so uh, I don't think this is quite as serious as what we had uh, in 2020. And uh, so anyway, God's going to help us through this. God protected our church. We never lost one church member uh, during the year 2020. And uh, I believe that God's hand is still on us. And uh, so anyway, uh, we're thankful for what God is doing, thankful for what God is doing. And uh, so anyway, I'm very uh, excited about a new year. I'm very excited about a new commitment, a time of consecration, dedication. The church has got to be dedicated. The church has got to be consecrated. Now, when you're consecrated... That means you're holy, and uh, you're, you're separated from the things of the world. And, and I want to, uh, listen, listen, I want a holy people. I want to I present Christ with a holy church. And uh, if you'll follow my teaching and my preaching and my example, you will end up being saved. Praise God. I can promise you that. I'm not going to do anything intentionally. I'm not going to do anything uh, that's going to hurt your soul. I'm doing everything I can to help everybody be saved. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God. Well, so much for all of the announcements. Now it's time to go to work. It's time to, for the Word of God. And I want to take your attention uh, to the book of Acts, chapter number Two, the book of Acts, chapter number two. I can't think of a uh, a better place to start out the new year than the book of Acts, and uh, it's uh, uh, this is this is uh, when it all the Holy Ghost was being poured out. Uh, it was on the day of Pentecost, and uh, the book of Acts. I'll begin reading with Acts chapter two, and I'll begin with verse number. 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made the same Jesus Christ, whom you have cru crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse number 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40 says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is a, a monumental uh, scripture right here, a monumental passage. Uh, of course, we know, uh, you can be seated, of course, we know that chapter uh, 2 of the book of Acts uh, is all about the day of Pentecost. And it's giving the uh, example of what the testimony of exactly what is going on. And uh, it was the Holy Ghost was being outpoured, poured out. Uh, it was the first time that uh, earth, the planet earth, had ever experienced anything like Pentecost. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. And, and so... He, these men are out in the streets. There's about 120 of them that got out of the upper room because there was not enough room to contain them in the upper room. And they got out and they started shouting and worshiping God uh, in the streets. And the elite and the devout men of Jerusalem begin to say, these men are drunken. And Simon Peter began to defend these men. And he said, these men are not drunken as though you would suppose. I want you to understand that it is, it is, give me monitor. I want you to understand that it is only the third hour of the day. It's not time. It's everything is, it's, it wouldn't even be legal for them to be drunk at this time of the morning. Uh, this is nine o'clock in the morning that they're, they're having this wonderful occasion, this wonderful event. Uh, they've been shut up in the upper room for seven days uh, uh, seeking God. They've been shut up. 
And, and, and then on this morning, this morning, they, the Holy Ghost began to be poured out. And, and, and they got out in the streets and began to worship and dance and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was not, it was not anything that anybody took them in a back room and taught them how to speak in tongues. Let me tell you something. This is the kind of revival that I believe that Tulsa needs to have. We need another Pentecost. We need another Pentecost. But I need some people that would be committed and consecrated to experience Pentecost. I need some people that's willing uh, that we need some folk that are willing to shut up and and uh, go in a prayer meeting that, that lasts for seven days. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. I believe if we could have a seven day prayer meeting, we could have another Pentecost. If we could have seven days and by listen by seven days passing by and us praying and and fasting and seeking God, I, I believe we'll be got the attention of God. And the Bible says they were in one place in one mind and one accord. And that's when the Holy Ghost started started being poured out. Uh, pull, uh, pull Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse number 1 up there. Uh, I'll just read it for you. We'll read verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all uh, with one accord in one place. Verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now listen, this, this is what's going on in, the, in Jerusalem that day. This is what's happening. This is what's taking place. And, 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 and Simon Peter, remember back in, in Matthew chapter number 16, that Simon Peter is the one that Jesus Christ said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you loose on this earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on this earth is going to be bound in heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the plan of salvation that's powerful enough that can unlock any kind of chain of bondage that, oh God, help me preach tonight. It don't matter what kind of bondage you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what kind of an addiction that you have tonight. It doesn't matter what kind of problems that has plagued your mind. I've come to tell you that this gospel, this gospel, this Acts 2.38 message is powerful enough to deliver you and set you free. You don't have to be in bondage after tonight. This is a place where the Holy Ghost is being poured out. This is a place where the Spirit of God is present. This is a place where God is talking to people and, and God is cleansing hearts and cleansing minds and, 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 and God can make a person brand new. Let me tell you what God can do with your mind. He can reset your mind. He can cleanse your mind. 
Sometimes your computer just needs a good reset. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. It can reset you and reprogram you. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. And so there's, there's miraculous miracles taking place that day in Jerusalem. But it did not come. It, did, it wasn't something that just happened. It was something that somebody paid a price and became committed to. That's what revival is all about. We need some commitment makers. We need some people that are willing to commit. We need some people that are willing to invest their time in prayer and invest their time in fasting. We need people that are willing to say, I'm going to stay right here until I feel a touch of heaven. I'm going to stay right here until I feel and all right in the spirit. I'm going to stay. I'm going to listen. This is how you're going to have revival. We're talking about revival. We're talking about the year of 22. The year of a breakthrough for you. I'm telling you. That's what can happen in this year. If you are committed and consecrated. God can deliver you from whatever addiction. That bogs you down. And so Simon Peter's been given these keys to the kingdom. He's been, he's been given these keys by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said upon this rock, I will build my church. That's what the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 16. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Let me tell you something about the church. The church is an apostolic church. The church is a blood-bought church. The church is a church that has power. Listen, we're not a bunch of powerless people, but we are people of power. We're people that has spiritual dominion. We're people that can speak things that are not as though they are. Listen, that's what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about that kind of power. I'm preaching about that kind of God given authority. We can speak to mountains and watch mountains be moved. We can speak to the deaf and watch them receive their hearing. We can speak to the blind and watch them receive their sight. That's the kind of revival I'm talking about. Upon this rock, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and so you've got these people out, out in the streets of Jerusalem uh, acting like they're drunk people. Uh, Simon Peter is defending uh, their innocence. They're not intoxicated uh, with wine as you would suppose. He said, but this is that uh, which was spoken of by that Old Testament prophet uh, Joel uh, saying in the last days saith God, uh, I'm going to pour out my spirit uh, upon all flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Uh, and he goes on to say in Acts chapter 2, uh, he goes on to say uh, that they're, they're going to have power. I'm going to pour my spirit out, not just on the men, but I'm going to pour my spirit out on the women. 
I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Somebody told me the uh, here a while back they had a problem with women in the church. <laughs> they had a problem. I'm going to tell you something. If you have a problem with women in the church, what are you going to do with the second chapter of the book of Acts? If you've got a problem with women being able to prophesy in the church and edify in the church. Just tear the second chapter of the book of Acts out of your Bible. That's the only thing I know to tell you to do because it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. And so it's important. It's important. It's important that we understand that God's going to put his spirit upon the handmaiden. And God's going to put his spirit upon men, women, boys, and girls. God's going to pour out his spirit. God's going to move in this last days. That's what he's saying. The prophet Joel said that. And, and, and he goes on to say, and he's describing what is going on that day. And he said in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were stirred in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And it was not anybody but one Simon Peter that had the keys to the kingdom. And he said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise, for the promise is unto you. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Some would like to say that the Holy Ghost was just for them in Jerusalem that day, but it was not. Verse 39, Simon Peter takes care of that. He said, for it's unto you and to your children. He is telling us from one generation to the next generation. From one generation to the next generation. It's not only for your children, but it's for your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. It's for one generation to the next. And it doesn't matter that you just live in Jerusalem. He said, and it was to all of them that are was far off. It didn't matter if you lived as far as Jerusalem. Here's to Tulsa, Oklahoma. This Holy Ghost is for you. This promise is for you. This promise is alive today and it's working today. Verse 40 and he said with many other words you know he was a preacher. <laughs> Preacher knows how to take a short story and make it long. They know how to lengthen the story. He said, with many of the words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this 
untoward generation. And that's what the title of my Bible message is for tonight. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. The word untoward means forward, perverse, not easily guided or taught. The word untoward means awkward, ungraceful, inconvenient, troublesome, unmanageable. Simon Peter was preaching this message over 2,000 years ago. And he was preaching to a generation that he called and considered untoward. Save yourselves from this untoward generation comes just two verses after he gives the plan of salvation, repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus. And just two verses passes by and he is corrected. He's brought back. Simon Peter begins to warn us about the peer pressure from this world. This world has got incredible peer pressure. Simon Peter is preaching to the generation. We find in the book of John, chapter 8, 41, you don't have to go there. They begin to question Jesus Christ, who was his father. And in chapter 8, verse 41, they went on to say that, that he was born of fornication. That's a pretty tough accusation to be made against Mary, the mother of Jesus. When God looked down on the planet and he found a woman that was of an excellent spirit. And he found a woman, God Almighty, the creator of the world. God, the creator that said, let there be light. And there was light. God, the creator, the one that formed man and put him in the garden of Eden. The God of everything that you and I know, that was the God that they were talking about. They were saying, we know Mary was a fornicator. She was an adulterous woman. She was a woman that, that, that was having an affair. Is that who you're from? Is that who your father is? And they went on to say, we know who our father is. 
And maybe Simon Peter's still hearing the words of that argument from John chapter 8 and 41 ringing in his ears as he looks on Jesus Christ because he has the understanding. He has the revelation. Jesus Christ said, Whom do men say that I am? And Simon Peter said, Some are saying this, some are saying that. He said, Who do you say that I am? He knew who he was. He knew he was God Almighty manifest in the flesh. And, and, and Simon Peter says, uh, uh, Jesus Christ answered Simon Peter and said, Blessed are thy Simon Barjona, for it's not flesh and blood that has revealed this to you. That was the world that Simon Peter was living in. A crazy way of thinking. A crazy outlook on life. Listen, that was over 2,000 years ago. I heard, I heard an old timer talking just a few days ago, talking about the decline of the morals in America. And he's talking about from 20 and 30 years ago, if the world has changed that much in 20 or 30 years, how much has it changed in over 2,000 years? Peer pressure. We're living in an age where right is wrong and wrong is right. When I talk about right, I'm talking about the concepts and the principles of the word of God has got to be right. Everything that we know and everything that we judge our life by is, as far as I'm concerned, is to be based out of this book. And we're living in an age... That everything according to the word of God that is right is wrong. Jesus Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself, he realized there was going to come a day that we were going to be hated of all nations. He realized that this righteous message was not going to be appreciated forever. Let me tell you something. In this generation, this untoward generation, you've got to fight. You've got to fight. You've got to fight to protect your mind. You've got to fight to protect your thoughts from the evils of this generation. You've got to fight it. You've got to fight it. Every, everything, everything that hell can devise, every kind of, every kind of uh, gadget that hell can put in our hands where we can look at something and put it in our mind, hell seemingly has devised it. 
The mind is under attack continually. We've got to save ourselves. We've got to work at salvation. Salvation, salvation in 2022 is not going to be the path of least resistance. It's not going to be that you can just float along in life and do whatever you feel. The airwaves are filled with garbage. The airwaves, we don't even know what kind of garbage is flowing through these airwaves right now. This is the house of God. This is the place where we come to worship God. But in this house of God, there's all kind of filth and all kind of spirits and powers of principalities that are in the airwaves right now. You can take your iPhone and pick up filth and garbage on your iPhone right here in the house of God. The airwaves. You can listen to all kind of music. You can listen to whatever you want to listen to. The filth and the garbage of society. You've got to save yourself. You've got to fight for your salvation. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your brother can't do it for you. Your sister can't do it for you. you got to do it for yourself. All I can do as a preacher is get up here and preach the Word of God. All I can do is make good spiritual recommendations and good spiritual suggestions. I can't live it for you. The time's going to come. It's going to be nobody but you. And then the test is on when nobody's there to watch you. Nobody, listen to me preach tonight. When there's nobody there to prop you up, you've got to live for God. You've got to save yourselves from this untoward generation. By nature, we will receive the counsel of the ungodly. That's just by nature. That's by nature itself. Nature itself is just this, the airwaves, the, the mindsets of people. Every, everything that you can imagine is under attack. If it has anything to do with righteousness and godliness... It's under attack. The Ten Commandments, the very pattern, the very law that our judicial procedure uh, was patterned after. They have told, oh God help us, they have ripped it down from the courthouses. They have removed it. And the Ten Commandments, that the very 
judicial procedure of America is founded on the Ten Commandments. They don't want nothing to remind them of God. And there is such a godless movement that is on the rampage in our world. A godless movement. There is a godless movement that is that is tearing our country apart. Prayer is no longer welcome in public venues anymore. They don't want people praying. And, and I remember on 9-11 when America was shaken. 9-11, there was, there was churches here in Tulsa that, that got together and was having prayer meetings and prayer visuals. And they were downtown Tulsa praying. And, 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 and they, they, they told the preachers that were leading the prayer, you cannot use the name of Jesus. Christ thank God we had some charismatic preachers that at that moment in time they still had a little backbone in their life and they said if we can't use the name of Jesus Christ we won't be praying in your prayer meetings thank God for there were some men that had a little bit of backbone left in them but that's been 20 years ago. I don't know if 9-11 happened today. I don't know if they would even think the name of Jesus was imported. Because most of those men are dead and gone or so old they're out of power and out of authority. The Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. They're not even doing that anymore. The Star Spangled Banner. They're not even honoring that anymore. It's like everything that has a core and everything that has an anchor is being removed from our world. And, and there's such peer pressure with this movement. There's peer pressure. This, this generation, this generation, the, the people that are in authority in this generation, it seems like there is nothing that is sacred about them. It's like nothing, nothing is divine anymore. When you start talking about the divine power and the divine authority, they look like, they look at you like you are, you're from another planet. Because, listen, listen, I believe, I believe in the divine power of God. I had a lady at my house just a few days ago one of the home health people. And 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 they the lady the lady told told my wife and myself, I've just had this knee replacement. Uh, today is uh, this this is my fourth week uh, that I'm in the uh, post of this uh, knee replacement surgery and and uh, uh, she was at my house at three weeks and uh, I had a doctor's appointment that day and and she was there to release me from her care. And, and, and I was telling her, I said, I said I, she said, she said to me, she said, I've never seen nobody during my practice recover as fast as you have. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, I'm a pastor of a church. I told her a little bit about my 2018 
situation. I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And I asked God to let this knee replacement surgery go very well and give me a speedily recovery. And I said, that's what you're eyewitnessing. You're eyewitnessing a man of God getting a speedy recovery. I said, I believe God can do anything. She looked at me and she said, I'm not quite there yet. And I'm thinking, honey, if you'll hang around me, you're going to be there. Because you're going to see a walking, talking miracle every day of my life. I'm a walking, talking miracle. But we're living in a generation that don't have confidence in God. There's nothing that is sacred. So therefore, if there's nothing sacred, there is nothing divine. That was a divine miracle that happened. That was a supernatural miracle that took place in my life. That's what God gave your pastor. Now listen, I've tried to be sensible and tried to be a slow, and, 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 and my wife don't think I've been slow enough. Sometimes she thinks I'm too slow. She got on to me yesterday, just yesterday. We've been married 33 years. She got on to me because I waited so long to ask her to marry me. That's a true story, ain't it? I was, I was afraid. I was afraid she's going to turn me down. That's what the deal was. But this generation's got problems. This generation, this generation's got problems. Uh, how many remember uh, back during the, I don't even remember how long ago it's been, uh, uh, how many remembers when Target was decided to make their restrooms transgender? I told my family don't go back to Target until they get that problem fixed. Now, that's a movement in the schools. Our public school systems has got problems. They're teaching things that are not right according to the Word of God. According to the Word of God, if it's right, it's wrong. That is the movement that is in our society. That is the generation that you've got to save yourself from. We're living in a generation, the Bible talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter uh, number 4, verse 1. Let's go there. 2 Timothy 4 and 1. I charge thee therefore before God and Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2 says, Verse 2 says, preach the word. Preach the word. Everybody say it. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Be instant out of season. This is, this is, what, this is what the Bible is telling us. This is what Paul is charging the preacher to do. To reprove 
rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. We're living in a story time generation. But Paul began to give us a commandment to preach the word. Sometimes the word of God reproves Sometimes the word of God rebukes. Sometimes it's to exhort. But you got to do it with long suffering and doctrine. You've got to have patience. He said the time's going to come, sound doctrine's going to be out the window. And after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they're going to turn away their ears from the truth. And they're going to resort to fables. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, he begins to talk to us. He talks about it's a straight and a narrow way which leads to life. And he says, there be few that find that way. And then he answers that. He said, you got to beware of the wolves. Go to Matthew 7 and 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. That word, raving wolves, In the Greek means to be starved for recognition and quick gratification. We wonder why all of these mega churches exist. I can tell you why. Jesus Christ told us. These mega churches have false prophets in their full pulpits. They've got false prophets standing behind their sacred desk. They're raving wolves. 
They're seeking for recognition. They're starving for it. They want quick gratification. I was, I was hearing somebody talk here a while back. And he began to talk about the entertainment gospel. They changed the gospel for accommodation. They can accommodate your lifestyle with their gospel. They can accommodate the way you want to live. They go in and the way they start these mega churches, they have CEOs. Check it out for yourself. We just had one right here in Tulsa uh, just made a $35 million purchase. They don't have a pastor. They got a CEO. And everybody is partners. And, and they, they know, they know how to word it. They know how to fix it. And it don't matter how you live, you're welcome there. It don't matter what you're talking about, it's okay. Just keep coming to church and keep tithing and giving your offerings. But let me tell you where that kind of church is going to get you. There's going to be a judgment day. And they're going to stand in judgment. And they're going to, they're going to be their own defense attorney because most of them's pretty sharp. They're CEOs. And they can be their own defense attorney. And they say, hey, hey, God, we've done many great works in your name. And according to what Jesus' word says in Matthew ch chapter 7, he said, I'm going to say unto you, I never knew you. You are a worker of iniquity. That's what you've got to save yourself from. They, they, mix enough, they mix enough religious talk in their sermon to motivate you. They mix enough motivational speech. Some of them are trying to be motivational speakers. You ought to try listening to Zig Ziglar sometimes. Get you a real motivational speaker, not somebody that's trying to walk around in sheep's clothing. I'm just talking about what you got to save yourself from. You got to save yourself. You got to save your brain. You got to save your mind. You, listen, listen, I talked about it last Sunday night. The God of this world, that's with a little g, the little God. It's the devil has so blinded the minds of people that they cannot see the truth. You got to save yourself, you got to work on your salvation. You got to save yourself with fear and with trembling. I'm going to tell you something. If fables is what you're looking for, 
you can find it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can find an encouragement, motivational speaker. But if you want a word from the Lord, you better find you somebody that knows how to get a hold of God. And you better find you. And listen, I'm, I'm not soliciting uh, for a job. I've got a job. Let me tell you something about God. God is going to always have a church, whether you're part of it or whether you're not. God's going to always have a church. He told Simon Peter, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. These CEOs go in. They get a team of workers. This is what they do. They get a team of workers, and they, they start soliciting people that used to go to churches. Maybe they went to church X, church A, church C. I don't know what kind of church they were from. But they start interviewing these people, and these people go out through the community, and they start doing surveys. What kind of church would you like? What would you like to hear the preacher talk about? What would you, and, and this is the way, this is, this is how they start these mega churches. They go in and they start with, they start with four or five hundred people. Because they get a gathering. Matter of fact, there's a church here in Tulsa called The Gathering. What have you, matter of fact, right over there, uh, just a few miles from here, there's one called the Connection Company. They got a CEO. They don't have a pastor. They don't have prayer meetings. There's nobody hounding them about fasting. There's nobody talking to them about holiness living. You got to save yourself from that kind of mentality. If you're wanting a feel-good religion, I'm telling you, this feels good here, but there's a price that's got to be paid for it. There's some sacrifice. There's some consecration. There's some commitment. I'm not trying to get a gathering. I'm trying to get the bride of Christ prepared to meet the bridegroom. So they go through all these surveys. What do you want? You want a preacher to come preach? They ask questions like this. Do you prefer your pastor to wear a suit? They even choose what kind of clothes the pastor is going to wear. Let me tell you something. My example comes out of the Old Testament. Them priests had robes that they wore. Listen, when I come to this pulpit, I'm going to be in a suit and a tie. I'm going to look like a man of God. I'm going to present myself like a man of God. You ain't never got to worry about seeing me sitting on a bar stool. I don't even like bar stools. My legs ain't long enough to touch the ground. 
good enough reason for me. Sure ain't going to see me in no turtleneck. I ain't got no neck. But that's how detailed they get. They giving people just what they want. And they do all these surveys. And then all of a sudden they have this big start date. And they have this big bash and this big party. And that's how ever how many is there that shows up for the party is how many they had at church. Their church, their definition of church, and my definition of church is two different things. They told us back during the pandemic, we can't have no social gatherings. That is an offense to me. This is not a social gathering. This is church. We've come to worship God. We've come to exalt him. We've come to lift him up high. They're going to say, we've done all these wonderful works in thy name. And then he will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You are a worker of iniquity. A generation that has turned to fables. They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they turn away their ears from the truth. And they're going to be turned to the fables. Beware of these false prophets. Beware of the false prophets that are uh, having the people flock to them because the entertainment gospel is so fun. They have these short little skits and they have all of this kind of, listen, listen, that ain't the kind, you got to save yourself from that. That's what, that's what Jesus Christ is telling us. He's telling the reason so many are going to hell, it's because of all churches and the false prophets I know we're on Facebook live tonight oh God that's what I say we got people sick that wanted me to put it on I didn't plan on preaching like this but I'm glad I did Hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in front of Facebook and all the world, whoever may be looking, I'm drawing a line in the sand. And this is the side of this, this, this is the side of this decision that I'm on. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on what's right side. I'm on God's side. I'm closing. I'm closing. I mentioned this last night. There was a man interviewing an older man. And he asked him, he said, how do you see the future of your children? The man responded to the younger guy by saying, my grandfather walked 10 miles every day to work. He said, my father walked five miles to work every day. He said, I drive a Cadillac 
My son drives a Mercedes. My grandson will drive a Ferrari. But he said, my great-grandson will be walking again. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. We have to raise warriors. Will you stand tonight? We're living in a pleasure crazed world. We're living in a world that likes to be entertained. We're living in a world that wants everything just perfect. We want to think positive. We always want to be motivated. But tough times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create tough times. I stand here tonight as a father of four children. Each one of my children are very different in their character and their characteristics. my family over there's definitely some things I would change I read this the other day and it stirred me I somehow feel like I made it too easy I grew up, I feel kind of like the story. I watched my daddy struggle. Watched my daddy work hard. When I got out of school, there wasn't nobody bought me a car. There wasn't nobody gave me diddly squat. They didn't give me nothing. I remember my first car. It was a 1975 Chevy Monza. Y'all don't even know what that is. That's back in the 1900s. 
it had been totaled it had been cut in two welded back together not even by a good welder it was coming all to pieces I could hit my brakes and you better be holding on to the steering wheel because you was fixing to take a hard left had one of my buddies in my car one day I said watch this I just folded my arms we was fixing to get on the interstate I-12 right there in Hammond I hit my brake had my arms folded just like just like you see me I was sitting just like this and he seen me I hit my brake that steering wheel turned he liked to have a heart attack but I'd done done that I knew that trick it shot right up that exit ramp you had to have the timing just right gotta be good at that I bought it for $800. Thomas, I drove it six months and sold it for a thousand. I was making big bucks. But you know what hard times did? It created a strong man. And I realized that if I was ever going to have something, I wasn't going to wait for daddy to give it to me because he didn't have nothing to give me. I don't even know if I don't even know if I got a skill saw when he died. That's the way I was raised. But it put fight in me. I realize if I'm gonna have anything, I gotta make it happen. I'm still fighting today. Fight and blessings of God will get you a long way. You got to be a warrior. Brother Devo, you got to raise those children to be warriors. You got to teach them. You got to train them. You got to put it in them. They got to know what serving God is all about because they got to save themselves. From this untoward generation. Lady ain't gonna like me a little later in life. But don't be too good to him. teach him to come to this church and pray and seek God you let him know where he comes from when he gets a little older take him to work with you let him watch you let him see what life is about pay him 30 cents an hour Hard times create strong people. 
tough times is going to create strong men. Strong men are going to create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create tough times. You got to train our children. They got to they got to get a warrior mentality. They got to know this is not easy. Come easy go. This is not a church given to fables. There's blood. There's blood. There's there's guts. There's work involved. You got to save yourself from this perverted, perverse, untoward mindset. You've got to save yourself from this ungraceful mentality. Ungrateful mentality. Teach your children to say thank you. I done something for my little grandbaby the other day. I can't understand what she's saying. It's all Chinese to me. I said, what'd she say? And she said it again. And I was listening that time. And I caught it. She said, thank you, Papa. You got to save yourself from that untoward generation. Somebody's got to teach her to say that. Somebody's got to teach her to be grateful. Somebody's got to teach her to be thankful. This is not a church of fables. This is not a church of fun entertainment. This is a church full of warriors. We're people that knows what it takes to bring revival. Ever since the beginning of time, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. But one thing we've learned, that the violent take it by force. Let me tell you something. We're going to fight for this. I'm a warrior for this gospel. I'm a warrior for this truth. Easy believism. That's not biblical. A seeker-friendly church is not biblical. I had so much on my notes I could have preached. Oh, my God. I could have preached all night. I got stuff I ain't even near about touched. in the house of God you got to save yourself from this mindset you know if you don't save yourself you won't see anything wrong with the transgender movement either because it's a flood it's a tidal wave it's a tsunami 
that's coming in and it's taking over and all of the craziness that's going on in our world anything that has an anchor to it they're uprooted you've got to be strong you've got to be firm we need some warriors let's find ourselves a place to pray tonight God I want to save myself I want to save my soul I want to save my family from this untoward generation This is how I fight my 